Well, good morning. How is everybody today? Yeah, doing good. You're singing terrific. Uh, the church spirit is full. That's always a great thing when we're in worship, that we come and, and are in fellowship, that we're together, uh, that we have a sense of belonging, isn't it? In fact, uh, those are two words I really want to share a little bit about today, togetherness and belonging. Say togetherness. togetherness. Say belonging. belonging. Those are two words that are um, really packed with a lot of punch. In fact, um, you know, if you were to define those words, togetherness and uh, belonging and belongingness or belonging, I think that you would probably come up with a definition that says it's like grouping, that, that, that we're, we're like owned into or owned by or uh, part of. And I think when we think of that song we just sang, Just As I Am, without one plea, it reminds us that we belong to God and reminds us that we are together in Christ. And it also reminds us that we are together as one. Well, you know, I, um, I was thinking the other day, uh, too often um, we, we, we can communicate the message of the church um, in a difficult way. In fact, the message of the church should be clear, amen? Uh, the message that the church sends should be very clear and it shouldn't leave people stressed or guessing. Let's take a look at a couple of these examples of the clarity of a church message, right? Come in and let us prepare you for your finals. <laughs> Let's look at this next one. We're just gonna skip through these. Mosquitoes also know there's power in the blood, okay? Uh, choose the bread of life or your toast. <laughs> Obviously, Baptist church. Don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. That's a Methodist church. Honk if you love Jesus. Text while driving if you wanna meet him. You know, uh, Chief Unstad's in the back going, that's true, don't text while you're driving, okay. Uh, if, if, your life's, uh, if your life stinks, we have a pew for you. We also have chairs. Uh, our Sundays are better than Dairy Queen, okay. A long, long time ago in a Galilee far, far away. That's for the Star Wars Christians, for that one. Um, do you know what hell is? Come hear our preacher preach. That's St. Paul, United Methodist Church. <laughs> uh, how is a good, now is a good time to visit. What is this? Our pastor's on vacation. I mean, you know, I did not ask for those. Okay, anyway. All right, let's, let's, let's see. I think it's probably another one. Um, whoever stole our AC units, keep one. It's hot where you're going. <laughs> All right, maybe we'll do one more here. Um, get behind me, satin. Can we spell in the church? Okay. So, so the message that we send um, needs to be clear. And, and, you know, like those signs, we see them all over. And you can Google those and, and see uh, even more than that. There's some that we edited. We said we're just not going to put those up today. But, but the question is, what is the message that, that we share? Um, as I read the New Testament, I can only find one example where the church or the people of God came together and made a decision by majority opinion. Only one example where the people made a decision by, by majority opinion. It was in Acts 27. Paul has instructed the crew not to set sail. Paul is saying, be careful. It is not a good time. Let's not do that. And the people sailing with him took a vote, and they voted, let's set sail. So let's see what happens. And since the harbor was unsustainable for wintering, the majority were putting out from there in the hope of wintering at Phoenix, a harbor in Crete facing southwest and northwest. 
A southerly breeze sprang up, and thinking their objective as good as reached, they weighed anchor, and they began to sail past Crete, close inshore. But the cross currents carried them into a shoal, and the vessel ran aground. The bows were wedged in and stuck fast, and the stern began to break up with the pounding waves. All right, so what, what did the plans of the people, what did the majority opinion accomplish? The boat sank, okay? So, so we have to understand the sense of messaging and the importance of that. This is the only example in the New Testament, like I said, where, where I could find that, that people decided to make a decision by democratic vote. And what we see here is a, is a change. We see a, a challenge that comes with that. Some might argue that the church is not a democracy. Some would argue that the church should be a theocracy, that it's not you or me or others who, who should pick and choose what the decision should be, but that we should be leaning into what does the message of God say? What does God say and what is the will of God and how do we sense the will of God as we make those decisions to move forward? So the scriptures are the best source of what the church needs to be. And I think that as we're unfolding our, our values as a church, I think it's really important that we hang on to that because each one of these values has been embedded in the scriptures, and that's the direction that we want to see. So what is it that the, that the scriptures say about togetherness? I told you we want to talk about togetherness, and we want to talk about belonging. Here's what the scriptures say about togetherness. It's better to have a partner than to go it alone. Share the work. Share the wealth. Now listen to this. If one falls, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, tough. Two in a bed warm each other. Alone, you shiver all night. By yourself, you're unprotected. But with a friend, you can face the worst. How many of you have faced the worst circumstances in your life because you had a friend with you? Of course you did, okay? Can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. So the scriptures define the importance of togetherness. They define why we are called to belong, why we are called to be together. Vance Packard, he's a, a writer, he calls America a nation of strangers. He said today that probably four out of 10 Americans live a life of isolation and a life of loneliness. And he begins to, to talk about how, how our American culture is producing a people where we know more about um, made-up TV people than we do about our neighbor. That we know more about the characters in our favorite TV shows than we know about the person who lives next door to us in our house or who sits beside us um, in church. And he says that everywhere you look, there's signs that, that people are hungering for fellowship that people are walking in our communities, searching and seeking, trying to find togetherness and amidst in a way in which they might belong. The scriptures also uh, use a lot of metaphors to describe the words togetherness. It uses a lot of metaphors to describe the word belonging. And when I read the scriptures and when you read them, the, the, the metaphor that is most used to describe togetherness and belonging, anybody wanna take a crack at it? It's family. So, so that's why in the scriptures we read the words that, they, that the believers called each other brothers and sisters who are one in Christ. That they knew that they were related, that they may not have been related by blood or DNA, but they were related through the blood of Jesus Christ. They were related in the DNA of God, maybe not of biologically with the people around them, 
but they saw the need to be family. So when we think about this, Paul is, is writing this passionate letter to the church in Ephesus. And Paul is trying to help build community in all of these little churches that, that he has started in some capacity. And all of them are running into identity issues. They're all struggling with who are we supposed to be? Who's allowed in? Who's not allowed to be a part of this? Who do we kick out? They were struggling in the early days of Christianity to understand that. And Paul is writing, and he says these words in, in Ephesians, or excuse me, in Galatians 3.26. He says, you all are sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. Our identity as Christians is only by one thing. It's our baptism. That is what makes us Christians. We are baptized in Jesus Christ. And that is what says whether or not we are uh, Christians because we have been baptized. So Paul is saying, but think about it. There's neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor female or male, but you all are one in Christ Jesus. The arguments that were happening, and if we were to read on in the book of James and, and even later on in Acts, we'd see all these struggles in the council of Jerusalem where they're trying to figure out who was allowed to be a part of the church, who was allowed to belong, who could be together. And they were saying that you had to be a Jew circumcised in order to first then become a Christian. And that, that knocked out a bunch of people. And then they had this huge conversation and James, the brother of Jesus, says, my brother said, and he happened to be Lord, by the way, he said all. And so we see that a sense of belonging and togetherness as what even Paul is emphasizing. He says, if you belong to Christ and you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Paul is lifting up the significance of togetherness and belonging. Well, through the years, I've watched scores of adults who have uh, come in and out of the church. I've watched them as they cautiously come into the church. Um, I see a lot of adults who, who are coming into the church who, who don't have a relationship with Christ. And as they're coming in, they're trying to find something because life without Christ in the world has left them battered, has left them without hope. Life without Christ has left them feeling empty. And they come to church, they come to our churches to find a sense of this togetherness and this belonging. And as they come in their own woundedness, they start to start thinking about, can I really do this God thing? And, and they start asking themselves these questions. They, 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 they begin to see that, that to be a Christian demands something. It demands our obedience. It demands our loyalty. It commands our attention. It calls us to adopt values that, that may not be values that others have. To be a Christian means that we have choices to make. And that we are called into a life of holiness. And, and all of a sudden, these same individuals start thinking about, I'm not sure I can live into that. I'm not sure I can met up to that. I'm not sure I can belong because I'm nowhere near what all of that is. And they struggle. Well, my answer when, when I come in contact with people like that is I say, listen, what you need to do is you need to find a way to connect. You need to start coming to worship. You need to connect with some groups that we have. Let me assign you some individuals that can shepherd you. Let me assign you some people that can mentor you and so that you can start to see what life is. Let me introduce you to who these people are. And once they're locked in with those individuals, their lives change. 
They begin to see, because they are befriended by someone that knows that they're not perfect, they begin to see the values of what it means to be a Christian. <clears throat> God created us to be relational beings, didn't he? The, the, the number one thing in life that we all want is to love and to be loved. That's the, the one thing that every living creature of humanity strives for. We all want to love someone and we want to be loved. And that's what we find in the life of the church. And I have discovered that, that even though we yearn for that, what, what fuels that passion, what fuels that excitement, is that we want to come into a place where we can be accepted. Say that word, accepted. We want to be accepted. And what that means is, is that, that, that I may not be where you are in your spiritual journey, but it means that I still have a seat here in this room. It means that I may not know the scriptures as well as you might, but it means that I can come to your table and study those same scriptures. It means that I might be crashing in life because of, of whatever's going on, and that no matter what's happening in my life, that I can come to you and I can be accepted. And that's the part that we see, because acceptance is a subtle form of influence. <clears throat> When we accept others, we have an opportunity to influence them. Now, I'm not saying that this is in some maligned way. We never want to do that to take advantage of hurting people. But what we want to do is we want to accept people, and whether they're hurting or whether they're not hurting, that they know that we can love them, that they can trust us, that we're all in it for them, not for ourselves, that our goal is their goal. Our goal is to help them to find that which they seek. And we believe that we know the answer. And that is a relationship in Jesus Christ. And that's why we lead people to do that. But I, I've learned through the years that most of us, we really don't choose our friends. We, we, we become friends with others because they've accepted us. I mean, how many of you, when you go to uh, meet new people, do you take a little questionnaire and you start asking questions? Well, are you, this, are you gonna do this? Uh, do you like this? Uh, what do you think about that? We don't do that. We, we, we hang around people because we find some common bonds. And usually it's around the sense of being accepted. And acceptance is really, really important. Acceptance is key to belonging to the church. And that's what we see, that, that, but that's only one part. The critical part of it is, is the church needs to create a space that shows acceptance to those who don't yet know who Jesus Christ is. That we cannot be a, this is a room filled with people uh, who know Jesus and no one else can come in. We need to create a space so that all can come and that they can hear the gospel and they can hear the good news and they too can be transformed in a way that makes an impact to their life. Uh, John records what Jesus said. Jesus said that the one thing that authenticates the message of the church is out of John 15, 12. He said, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I, excuse me, have, have loved you. So being a part of a church means a genuineness. It means that, that I share with you that I really do care about you. That it's not just some superfluous thing, it's not a way of manipulation, but that I do care about you. It means that even in those moments when you and I can't agree or you and others can't agree, that we can still care about one another that through those differences that we create that space in our heart to allow all to come and to feel accepted 
and connected in that, in that powerful way. The power of, of togetherness and belonging, uh, it's, it's, it shapes character. And men and women understand that when someone shows them care and concern, they're going to want to connect with that. Now, I want us to think about what I've just been talking about, and I want to kind of put it into today's terms. So today at 6 o'clock is what? It's what? It's the Super Bowl, the game of the year where all teams get excited and only two make it. And my guess is in this room that there's probably not a lot of Kansas City fans and there's probably not a lot of San Francisco fans that the team that you've been rooting for and choosing didn't make it. But guess what happens today? Guess what? In this room, there are many who are going to be Kansas City fans and there are going to be many that are going to be um, San Francisco fans. And, and we begin to demonstrate that support and encouragement. We're going to be rooting them on. We're going to be like, score, you know, call this play Andy here, whatever the case may be. And we surround people that we don't even know. Now, think about that for a second. How much do we put into those kinds of relationships? How excited do we become for these one-time sports events that happen in our lives? And we find out that we need to have that kind of enthusiasm and that kind of excitement with the people who live in our community. We need to have that kind of excitement to people who aren't in churches, that we come alongside, that we root for them, that we, that we hope they call the right play for the day, that they catch the touchdown pass or, or whatever metaphor that you want to use, that they know that they are critical and connected. We need to be the kind of church that when we're in our communities, when we're in our grocery stores, when we're in our schools, when we're out on the golf courses, wherever we might be, we need it to be known that, that even if we don't tell somebody, I'm a Christian, or I belong to St. Paul United Methodist Church in Largo, they should know that. By your enthusiasm, by your happiness, by your encouragement, there should be no one that knows you that doesn't know that you're connected to this church. They should know. And how we adapt that is part of that togetherness and part of that belonging. The Christian values that we share are the values that we've been talking about these last couple weeks. So when people get to know you, even when they meet you for the first time, you should boldly say to them, let me tell you about the church that I attend. Let me tell you about the church that I am a part of. Let me tell you about my family of God. Here's what we believe. And these are the values that we've been adopting through this whole thing. We believe that we love God and others. We love because we are loved. We should be able to just say that to them and explain what does that mean that God loves you and that you're a part of that. You should be able to say that, that we strive to be authentic. We strive. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. None of us are perfect. But we strive to be authentic and we live out what Jesus taught us and be able to share what does that mean to live the way that Jesus taught. Then they ought to be able to look at you and then without even questioning, you ought to be able to let them know that, that you are a person of generosity, that, that you are a generous person and, and that you believe that generosity is the heart of God and you get to give. And we learned last week that it's not just money, it's, it's your time, it's your prayers, it's your energy, it's your connection. <clears throat> it's the very spirit of who you are that you get to give. And then it comes down to community. Well, let me share with you a little bit about community. 
Um, several years ago, Newsweek picked up a story of a young man that lives in our community. His name is um, Davian Only. Here's his picture of him. You might have seen this story back around 2007. At that time, he was a 15-year-old boy. He had been bounced around in the foster system from home to home to home to home. He never found his forever home, is what it's called. And he was talking to his caseworker as he, as he celebrated his 15th birthday. And his caseworker looked at him and said, Davian, I'm gonna have to teach you some life skills because at your age, the odds are you're not gonna get adopted. And he's like, all I want is a family. And she said, but it's just likely not gonna happen because that's what the statistics say. <clears throat> so she began to teach him life skills. And they devised a plan. And the plan that they devised was one Sunday at a church here in Pinellas County, Davian and his caseworker would come. They had talked to the pastor and said, after church, when all the singing's done everything, can I just have five minutes to address your congregation? And the pastor said, absolutely. The church had its worship. They talked about togetherness. They talked about belonging. They talked about family. And then Davian stepped up to the pulpit. And here's what he said. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read what he said because it's just remarkable. He says, my name is, is Davian Only, and I've been in foster care since I was born. I know God hasn't given up on me, so I'm not giving up either. I want to be adopted. And he goes on to say, I don't care if you're old or young, if you're just a dad or you're just a mom, I don't care if you're black or white or purple. I don't care. I wanna be adopted. I just want people to love me for who I am, to grab me and keep me in their house and to love me no matter what. You know, he was on Good Morning America not long after that and like 10 minutes after uh, all that happened across the world, 10,000 inquiries came in to interview to adopt this young man. Over 10,000 inquiries. Well, he was adopted into his forever home, and he graduated from one of our local Pinellas County high schools, and he graduated and he has a new leaf. And this is what it means to belong. This is what it means, there he is with his adopted mom right there. This is what it means to belong. This is what the church is. His message began in a church, and out of the church, his life was changed. He found his forever home, not just in Miss Goins, who, who adopted him, but he found it in his relationship with Jesus Christ. Folks, this is what it means to be a church of togetherness. This is what it means to belong, that we need to love one another and others that kind of capacity for it all to make sense. And that what leads us to now our, our fourth value. And this one is, is very important as well. And here it is, it talks about belonging. We are better together you belong here. You belong. You don't just belong, you belong here. You belong together with us here at St. Paul United Methodist Church because we together are better. And that's the message of Jesus Christ.